Welcome back to another episode of Unqualifying Sessions with me, Amy. And yes, and yes, I know I have been super bad at podcast episodes these past couple months, but life has been lifing and life just got in the way. Um, I'm going to try and upload a podcast a bit more often, as I do love to talk about F1, and I know I said that last time, but I am going to try be a bit more frequent. I can't guarantee like every week, but I'm going to aim for at least every other week. Um, But yeah, hopefully a bit more regular going forward. One thing is though, there's been a lot going on. Um, So, I mean, I suppose it's kind of a good thing because we can have like a big roundup. Um, So yeah, let's just get straight into it then. So... I feel like first things first, we need to talk about Red Bull. I mean, I don't want to jinx it for them, but they pretty much have the constructors in the bag. And Max is basically going to get his third championship, right? I mean, come on. Adrian Nuri has literally designed a rocket ship and like no one is close. Like no one's getting close. I mean, the fact that in Austria, Max, like, basically two laps to go could pit change to softer compound tire still come out in first have a few seconds between him and Leclerc and put in the fastest lap like I can't I can't even like I I, I, I can't even um I think I saw a stat the other day on on somewhere like Twitter which obviously is not the most uh, accurate liable source in the whole entire world but um i saw a stat that basically said that if max wins the next race that he will essentially essentially be able to come in second for the rest of the season and still win the championship so uh, that's a bit of food for thought for you i feel like they have this wrapped up so in the bag like i said i don't want to jinx it but so far I, I can't see anyone else unless somebody pulls a massive upgrade. I mean, McLaren have, so who knows? So, like I said, I do need a bit of a shout out to McLaren because those upgrades so far are fantastic. Like, they could potentially be a little bit of a challenger to um, Red Bull. I mean, in the end, like, I know Lando is in the lead for the first little part of the race, but when Max did get in the lead, he just kind of was able to get that nice gap. But, wow, Silverstone was really a testimony to the upgrades, I think, for McLaren. Um, We saw some improvements with Lando's car in Austria, which looked quite promising compared to where they were, particularly at the beginning of the season. Um, So I think that's amazing. But Silverstone kind of really showed the change um because we got p2 for lando and p4 for oscar which was amazing for the team and both cars did that on hard tires wow i 
Do you think it was slightly unfortunate to Oscar with his pit stop and how it worked with the safety car? Because he may have gotten P3 if that hadn't happened. But that is the name of Formula One. You know, you win some, you lose some. A safety car always throws a cat amongst the pigeons. So um, it, it is just how it goes, unfortunately. Um, but P4 was still super impressive for the rookie driver. I mean, like I said, when you think of how McLaren as a team was at the start of the year to now this past weekend, it's like a completely different team. Like, it's unrecognisable. Like, completely unrecognisable. So, um, a big shout out to them. So, while I'm talking a little bit about Silverstone at the meantime, I thought it was pretty cool to have Lando and Lewis on the podium. Um, if you was watching the Sky Sports coverage, you probably have heard them mention this, um, but it's the first time since 1999 that two British drivers have been on the podium since Silverstone, which was pretty cool and interesting fact, at least I thought anyway. Um, I mean, also for Silverstone, I think we saw like two black and white flags, one for Russell and one for Norris from memory for track limits but in comparison to Austria where everyone and their dog and their cat and their goat was uh getting track limits it was it was nothing um I suppose I do want to talk a little bit about um Aston Martin I feel like Aston Martin was looking like a really good potential challenger for Red Bull in the early stages but um, now with McLaren, it seems to kind of flipped flip the switch a little bit on that one. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what Aston Martin will potentially do to kind of get them back to where they were. Um, I think I remember um, someone from Aston Martin, I can't remember exactly who, but someone from Aston Martin saying that essentially they always thought that Silverstone wasn't going to be a particularly good track of theirs. So we'll have to see what happens next time in Hungary. Um, moving on to other news that we have had recently in the F1 world, um, we have seen that Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElney and Michael B. Jordan purchasing a 24% stake in Alpine. Now, all of them actually currently have stakes with football teams at the moment, so Reynolds and McElney have a state in Wrexham FC um, and obviously if you've seen their TV show which apparently is amazing um, you would see all about that and they were in the news recently because Wrexham has, did super well in their league uh, recently this year um, and then Michael B. Jordan currently also has a stake within Bournemouth FC which I think was released again earlier this year end of last year um, I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens with this going forward and if we'll see any future celebrities buying stakes with, with, within F1 teams. Um, I know there's a lot of conversation around the moment about play, like particularly in football, um, from what I can understand, of players when signing a contract having kind of a stake within the team or a stake within the uh, league so I know like one really good example and I kind of want to 
maybe talk about this a little bit more um, because I think this is potentially also happening, well, rumours are with Lewis Hamilton's contract of him having um, like shares in or like a stake within Mercedes and potentially is part of his contract. And when you look at um, footballers who have got over to play in America, so like I think it's the major soccer league, um, I could be wrong, but something like that. And I really want to do a bit of a deeper dive because it's actually quite fascinating the more I read about it. So when you look at someone like David Beckham, and I think now Lionel Messi, their contracts within their teams and how that works is absolutely fascinating. And like them having stakes within the team or and I think David Beckham had stakes within MSL. So that means like his contract was better than better than him staying in Europe, all this stuff. I kind of want to do um, a bit of a comparison and, and if we know a bit more about Lewis's uh, potential contract, well, I think he is going to renew with, with Mercedes. It's kind of a no-brainer. But I think if it is released that he has a bit more um, of a stake or a share or something like that within um, Mercedes, I'd kind of like to see how these sporting contracts can really like change um, going forward. Uh, anyway, that's enough rambling about that. Um, I'm going to hark back to Silverstone um, a little bit. And we did see that Apple start their filming of their new Formula One film, which has Brad Pitt and Damson Idris starring. Um, from what I can see so far, this could be one of the most accurate Formula One films we will see. And having the actors at actual F1 races to get footage, I think, is a genius idea. Um, having Lewis Hamilton as a producer and the involvement of Formula One, I think it will make the film better and feel more genuine. Um, also, the car that, or cars that they are using um, during filming is a F2 car modified by Mercedes and they kind of made it look more like a Formula One car, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I'm really intrigued to see the film and I think not only does filming at Grand Prix, which they will be doing throughout the rest of the season, make it seem all the more authentic. I think it could also be a really good use of publicity. I mean, think about the main target audience for the film. It is going to be Formula One fans. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people who just love Brad Pitt and love movies who watch it, but like one of their main target audience is going to be Formula One. It's a film about Formula One. So, I mean, I think we can gather the target audience there. So I think seeing the filming and production in real time for Formula One fans, you know, I always keep like an eye on what's going on over the weekend, like even when I'm not watching the race or qualifying or anything like that, you kind of are looking on like Twitter, Instagram of like journalists or like Formula One uh, content creators and seeing what's going on throughout the weekend. Um, so seeing pictures of what is going on um, with the filming is really interesting um, because it's a, kind of a part of the Formula One race. It is part of the Formula One race weekend. Um, and I also think like in a weird way, is it like subconsciously getting to know the team or even getting behind the team before we even start watching it? Um, I mean, 
going forward, we are going to see the name APXGP, which is the name of the fictional team in the movie. The name, we're going to see it as fans over and over and over again when it comes to a race weekend because they're there and they're going to be out on the grid, not at the same time as other Formula One cars. They kind of film during the breaks, but we saw Brad Pitt and Damson Idris in their APXGP uniforms interacting with other Formula One drivers on the grid. Like, I kind of think it will be intriguing to see, like, we're going to know that name and we're going to see it and that the more we see it, the more we're going to know the name. So to a degree, when we even get to watch the film, I know you won't think of it as a actual F1 team, but you kind of know the name and you kind of already have a, I suppose, an understanding of the team because you're like, oh, that's... And it's got, like, the characters' names in the in in the paddock. Um, it has, like, Sonny Hayes, who I think is um, Brad Pitt's character. Like, they're in the paddock. I think it's actually a really cool idea of that we kind of are seeing the team in real life quote unquote but I also think it's quite genius marketing in the sense that if you're not a Formula One fan and you're not like I suppose into it that much you might not know the teams like if you saw like actual pictures and stuff and racing and then there would you partially think like oh my god was is this a real was this a real actual team like I don't know I think it's quite a genius marketing strategy as well as having the authenticness of it being a Formula One team so yeah I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how this like plays out um and now lastly um well we had some pretty major news today um I'm recording this on Thursday oh, not Thursday I don't know what day it is so much news come out crazy on Tuesday the 11th of July and I wrote some notes yesterday which was Monday the 10th of July and my notes were talking about uh <clears throat> potential rumours that uh Nick DeVries could potentially be replaced by Daniel Ricciardo and I said like I'm not sure if it's true um and like you know we've been having rumours about Ricardo replacing Nick or Sergio for a little while, pretty much ever since he kind of was supposed to join Red Bull. Um, so it turns out, as of today, um, that that rumour of Daniel Ricardo replacing Nick DeVries at Alpha Tauri for the rest of the season is true. It isn't. It, it isn't. It isn't a rumor. It, it it was in fact the the truth. Um. So all my notes can be scrapped and put in the bin. Um. But yeah, it is. I think for me, a little bit of a bitter, sweet, um. Moment, and I think maybe for a lot of people, um, from what I can kind of see, um, it was kind of obvious that Nick wasn't doing as well as expected um or how AlphaTauri expected him or even Red Bull expected him to do um but I also think that AlphaTauri haven't necessarily created 
a great car. I mean, they have all of two points in the Constructors' Championship at the moment. But on the flip side to that, all of those points have come from Yuki Tsunoda. So, uh, you know, I think the thing is, which is very unfortunate for Nick, is that he's had a pretty impressive career before joining F1. And, you know, winning the Formula E Championship winning F2 but I also think which is even more unfortunate is that Nick got into that Williams at Monza last year and absolutely knocked the socks off everyone like I mean Alex Albon was doing really well in the um, Williams last year and is continuing to do well in the Williams this year so we always knew like Albon was always pretty good and I, I, I know that Nicholas Satifi wasn't amazing and I think you know Nick DeVries came in hadn't driven for Williams before and he came in and absolutely knocked it out of the park got points like there's you, you can't expect any more um I just think that I don't know it it's a really difficult one because, I, I mean, Nick DeVries is currently at the bottom of the leaderboard. But then I would say, for example, in comparison to another rookie, Logan Sargent, Nick DeVries, points-wise, is technically closer to Yuki Tsunoda. But I don't think Red Bull slash Alpha Tauri have the patience that a team perhaps like Williams does. And we know this, and we've known this for years. Um, I mean, I remember watching a video um, from Tomo. Um, if you like watch Formula One YouTube or like Formula One content creators, um, and he did a video. I'll I'll link it in kind of like the bio description kind of area, um, and with a couple of other articles that I've kind of used and throughout this uh podcast and he spoke to somebody who was a red bull junior um and he said essentially you are expected to perform like this is a known fact like it's not you know it is how it is it's tough and you've got to work hard and you know that from joining the Red Bull Academy. So I think if that's just how Red Bull are and they want greatness, they want excellence, like, and I think they want that in all of the sports that they are involved in. Like you look at their sports and these people are like the top of their field. They want the best people and whilst I think it does seem harsh and I kind of think that he should have at least gotten through the first half the season if not the rest of the year you you have I think the thing is unfortunately with Nick as well is that he's not as you've not really seen moments of like oh there's potential right and I think that could could also be it I mean Oscar Piastri as a rookie has done exceptionally well he got P4 at Silverstone I mean like come on like tick the box there's nothing more you can say 
I think Logan Sargent, potentially in comparison, has had more moments of like, oh, maybe. I mean, it's I need to look at the stats more. I don't know. I just I think that AlphaTauri Red Bull are harsh because they want they expect greatness. And I think they probably expect you at this level to produce results. And if you don't produce them, they'll get somebody in who they think can. Which is tough and it is really tough and I do feel really sorry for Nick because I kind of feel like this kind, the time short is a shame and I feel as though, you know, it's not nice. I, this is, we know these teams expect greatness and we know Red Bull and AlphaTauri are tough. Um, and I, I mean, also I think on the flip side of that of even should they give him more time, in my opinion, I think so. But you can also think of it in another way. I mean, Helmut Marco has basically come out and already said that, you know, where Alpha Tauri was kind of going off on their own a little bit, um, that that's not going to happen. I mean, Alpha Tauri's not going to even be called Alpha Tauri next year. Um, and that, you know, the team will follow a Red Bull pattern as much as possible. And, you know, if that is the case then I think that they need I mean maybe they want someone who has driven the Red Bull who has got the experience who has got the knowledge to help make those upgrades you know I I generally I I, I don't know there's, there's so many things that go in my head um so yeah I mean Dan Ricardo has done the probably tyre test today him and um, I think Mick Schumacher were there and apparently his lap times were really impressive um some reports were saying I think it was Lawrence Barreto um essentially said that his times today at Silverstone at the tyre test if he that time would put him in the front row at qualifying for Silverstone on on over the weekend now obviously it's a different tyre it's different weather conditions all of that good stuff but to be considering where he was last year with McLaren if you're like that's a big step up and I think a confidence booster for him and also for Red Bull that they have a driver that can you know take on the helm I think um I mean I did see a couple of tweets from Will Buxton um who has said some interesting things and I'm gonna kind of read a couple of things so 
he basically, I'm summarising, is that at the time this was a tweet about him potentially... him going Daniel going to Red Bull and Robatson basically says it seems like a wider play and it's that's about putting pressure on Perez to sort himself out um and then he continues to say that yeah as I said I think this has sorry this is what Will Buxton says I think this has more to do with applying pressure to Perez while assessing potential Ricardo return to Red Bull Racing or how Sonoda fell, fares against a known quantity um, he also goes on to say that it shouldn't be surprised if Ricardo ends up back at Red Bull Racing no lineup since his departure has been as strong as him and Max how the rest of the field could shake up makes for an interesting bit of mental gymnastics. Lawson to Alpha Tower makes complete sense as a strong option for 2024. As for Checo, how how about a dream return to Team Silverstone alongside Alonso at Aston? And DeVries could get on the phone to former Mercedes colleague James Val and return to Williams alongside Albon. So obviously Will Buxton is kind of summarising or theorising, I should say, about potential um silly season changes and you know I was having a conversation with with my dad earlier we was talking about Daniel Carter going back to Formula One and going back to Alpha Tauri I mean I'm not gonna lie I do like Daniel Carter I think he's a great uh, driver and a great personality on the sport so I'm in the bittersweet sort of thing it's kind of nice to see him back and what we were saying is that you know obviously the the car is a bit of a doesn't seem the greatest to drive but at the same time, it's that Ricardo only needs to get like a points finish, and he's done better than De Vries. And that kind of says, well, you know, if he goes to Hungary and gets a points finish, finishes tenth. I'm not saying it will happen, but if it did, ha- does happen, all already they'll be like, oh, well, he's back. You know, he's he's scored a points finish. You've already done better than Nick DeVries. It tick. Um, I mean, again, not saying this would happen, but if you know this is trying to put pressure pressure on Perez, if you know we've seen it that just this past weekend Perez got knocked out in Q three, Q one. Q. Oh my God! I don't know my qualifying, which is really embarrassing considering this is uh called unqualifying sessions but he got knocked out of the first round of qualifying at Silverstone it if you know Ricardo could make it past he doesn't you know have to make it past a lot but if he gets into Q2 he's already looking at like well you know dad was back Perez can't even get past first round of qualifying and now we have Daniel getting into into Q2 like it doesn't take a lot and then things are going to start being said and then it starts going to put little murmurings and all this and that and the other I think who do you know what who knows what's going to happen I don't I think if he doesn't go to Red Bull at the end of this year he could be back at Red Bull by the end of 2024 when Perez's contract ends because 
The thing is, I know Christian Horner has basically said that, oh no, you know, we're not getting rid of Sergio Perez, but he said that same thing about Pierre Gasly and guess what, a couple of weeks later, Alex Albon was in his seat. So who knows? I Not me. I don't know. Um, but I think this could definitely be a bit of a shake-up. Um, and just when you thought that maybe we wouldn't have a crazy silly season this year, turns out we might have a crazy silly season this year. It's potential. Because we all know that as soon as one, one move is made, that's it. it. People will move. And we will keep it up to date with silly season as and when it happens. But I've realised that I've been talking for quite a while. My Even my throat is starting to go. I've been talking for like nearly 29 minutes straight so far. Um, but thank you for this free rant about Formula One and discuss Formula One. It kind of felt nice to talk about it and get my thoughts out. I feel like I needed, I needed this. Um, so it's kind of nice to record this um, podcast again um, because I really do just enjoy talking about Formula One. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it and enjoyed my ramblings. Um, I will try to post a little bit more frequently. I'm not going to guarantee that it'll be every week, um, but hopefully every other week because, um, like I said, life is lifing. And um, but I do enjoy talking about um, this sort of thing. So you know we will try our absolute best to to be a bit more consistent um but thank you for listening um particularly if you're listening after my huge massive long break um I do really appreciate it um I am an independent podcast so if you could like and share and follow me on Instagram um honestly all the support means a lot and leave a review um that would be fantastic it really does mean a lot um but until then hopefully not as long but i will speak to you in the next one bye